Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. He knows him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to introduce to you our preacher, Rich DeGeorges. He is our, um, he is in the ordination process, uh, God willing, uh, and the bishop approving. Uh, you will be ordained to the priesthood in the next year or so. Is that right? Yes. Uh, and he, uh, so he is doing what's called a field-based education requirement with us. He will be with us for three months. You'll see him preaching. You'll see him involved in other ministries of the church. And so, please lend him here to as he shares the word of God. Thank you, Father Seth. Please be seated. I did a grand experiment when my son was seven years old. I decided he was going to learn how to handle money. And so I said to him, in return for chores you're doing around the house, you're going to get paid. Your allowance will be $2 a week. And $2 is not going to go into candy. $1 into your pocket and one into the bank every week. And so for months upon months, we, we did that. And every Saturday, we'd walk to the Bank of America in Nevada City, and we'd stand in line. And that serpentine line, you remember that. And people would say hello to him. He'd have his little passbook in his hand. And when he got to the teller, he was greeted. And what a wonderful experience. And he'd look at the dollars he had put in and put it back in his pocket. One Saturday, I was busy. I had to run some errands over here in Grass Valley. And while in Brunswick, I said, there's a Bank of America right there. Let's go make your deposit. And the look of shock on his face. No, we'll wait till we get, get to Nevada City. He said, ah, son, I don't have time. Let's make the deposit. And he put on that look that seven-year-olds can do. The pout, the lip out, the silence, the puppy eyes. You, you know you've seen this. I got a little terse with him. Banks can make these kind of transactions. They have computers and telephone lines. They talk to each other. Your money won't be lost. He continued to pout. And when we had done the transaction and were leaving, I said to him, what's the matter with you? 
Don't you understand that your money is the same in that bank as with Nevada City? And he looked at me and he said something in the voice of a 30-year-old. He said, Dad, you just don't understand. They know me there. I never expected that to come out of his mouth, but it was a preview for me. It was a preview of the man he was about to become. He had a connection with the Bank of America. He loved saying hello. He loved the tellers there. And he treasured that relationship. And I told him to not respect that connection. This morning I want to talk about the importance of connections. Did you listen closely to today's gospel reading? In it, Jesus makes us an amazing promise. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you, here's the key word, forever. Forever. Now that's a connection. And what a promise. You know, connections themselves aren't difficult to make. They're easy. It's little more than a hello or a handshake or an introduction. Children make them on the drop of a hat. They smile at somebody or punch them in the arm and they run away and they've made a connection. It takes a lifetime, though, to learn to disconnect. That's hard. The older we get, the more we have to say goodbye to very special connections. The people we love, the people who inspire us, who comfort us, who even challenge us, when those connections are lost, some people never recover from it. Jesus offers us a connection that will never end. Everyone here has experienced connections with others. There are people we respect, we admire. Gosh, we we cherish people. And we've been able to turn to those people for everything we need. At times we need a kind word. We need some encouragement. We know exactly where to go for a hug or a joke or a kiss. What a gift. What wonderful times when we can feel and appreciate real connections. In today's gospel reading, Jesus offers us a connection like no other. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. What's that about the world will no longer see me? He's breaking some news yet again to the disciples. Christ warns them that he will soon be leaving. He says, I will not leave you orphaned. Oh no, they're thinking, orphaned. This is not what we wanted to hear. Because you know, we all, all adults, know the potential for pain when someone you love prepares to leave. Prepares to break the connection travels away. Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Ah, 
That's it. That's the catch right there. You'll keep my commandments. And he makes it very convenient because in the next chapter of John, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another, excuse me, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Lay down his life. Someone would sever his worldly connections for someone else. What could he possibly be talking about? Tomorrow is Memorial Day. Some people think of it as just another three-day holiday. There are picnics. There may even be a parade somewhere. Fishing and boating around the pic- on the agenda for some people. A lot of people will be having a barbecue out. That's a good one. There's not a child in a classroom once Memorial Day weekend hits that can concentrate on their lessons. They're staring out the window. They're thinking of an endless summer ahead. It's also, I guess, the unofficial beginning of summer. But Memorial Day is so much more than that. After the Civil War in 1868, after that horrible, costly war, some states began to celebrate Decoration Day to remember the Americans who died from battlefield injuries. In most places in the United States, it came to be known as Memorial Day. In 1971, Memorial Day was established as a national holiday. The last Monday in May, we're all aware of the sacrifices made during war. We're all aware of the soldiers and sailors and Marines who fell. Why have a Memorial Day? Because some debts can never be repaid. And why in May? Because it was very important to the people who put that holiday on the agenda that flowers be in bloom when we celebrate it. When I finished basic training years ago, I was sent to a technical school in upstate New York for four months. And as soon as I arrived, some very smiling I guess it was, this must have been an NCO, approached me and said, son, how would you like to be in the honor guard? I said, what's that? He said, oh, it's great. You get to wear a chrome helmet. You get to wear white gloves. You get to march in parades. Girls love it. So throughout the winter of 1967, I was a member of a seven-man honor guard at graveside services for members of the military killed in action. They were coming home. We'd appear at two or three services a week. Two of us would fold that that heavy cotton American flag into a tight, triangular shape. And then we'd solemnly hand it to a weeping wife or a mother or a child. Then the seven of us would lift our M1 rifles to the sky and fire three volleys that seemed to just disappear into the the cold winter sky. Off in the distance, almost immediately, unseen, 
behind a snow-covered hill or a, a grove of trees, a bugler would softly blow taps. And that haunting melody mixed with the sobbing and voices of grief from the gathered, a huddled crowd of heartbroken people attending a ceremony that marked the end of a connection was almost too painful to remember. Parents, children, family, and friends who've lost someone in battle don't need a Memorial Day to remember their connection to someone they would never hold or kiss again, whose voice they would never hear again. Memorial Day is for the rest of us. We are reminded to remember Americans young and not so young, some brave and some frightened, soldier or farmer, sacrificed their lives in battle. They've been cut down now for over two centuries. They fought in trenches and in rice paddies. They fell at Saratoga, at Shiloh, at Monte Cassino, at, at Fallujah. There were 8,000 American military deaths just in the Revolutionary War. 215,000 killed in the Civil War. 292,000 American troops fell in World War II. In all our history, American military has suffered just about a million deaths. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. We've all heard the Battle Hymn of the Republic. We've sung it. But some people haven't heard all the verses. And there's one that's quite moving and applicable this morning. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. You know, there's, there's something about a parade. And I'm talking like an old guy now. I remember, and you remember, parades from our past. Remember standing on a sidewalk with a little flag or a, a hat or a cray paper tie because it was Memorial Day and there was a parade coming down your street and you saw horses and local celebrities and cars and fire engines. It was exciting. And it was always the sound of a, a band, a marching band somewhere in the distance. It was heading your way. You'd hear the brass, you'd hear the woodwinds, and you'd hear that things that the drummers would do. I know you remember it. They would just hit the side of their drums, that rat-tat-tat in rhythms. And it was just around the corner. It was coming. And then it reached you. And oh, what a wonderful chaos that was. There were jugglers and baton throwers and confetti. And a Sousa march would, would rattle every window on the street. And out of that 
wonderful chaos appeared the American flag. And hats were removed, hands put to heart, and people recalled their connections and their connections lost. If you're close to my age, you could remember a neighborhood where it seemed that every barber, every butcher, every teacher, every priest was a veteran. Everyone seemed to have connections to a worldwide war. So this Memorial Day, when you see an American flag passing by, being carried for you, please remember the connections. Remember the lives. Give thanks for the sacrifices made for us. And today, please remember also our promise of a never-ending connection. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. So at the conclusion of today's service, keep your eyes on the cross that's being carried up the aisle for you. It'll be at the front of a very modest procession. Please remember its connections to us. Remember his life. And please give thanks for the sacrifice made for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.